0: chapter eighteen of virgin soil volume one by ivan turgenev translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain strange was the state of his mind in the last two days so many new sensations new faces for the first time in his life he had come close to a girl whom in all probability he loved he was present at the beginning of the thing to which in all probability all his energies were consecrated well was he rejoicing no was he wavering afraid confused oh certainly not was he at least feeling that tension of his whole being that impulse forward into the front ranks of the battle to be expected as the struggle grew near no again did he believe then in this cause did he believe in his own love oh damned artistic temperament skeptic his lips murmured inaudibly why this weariness this disinclination to speak even without shrieking and raving what inner voice did he want to stifle with those ravings but mariana that noble faithful comrade that pure passionate nature that exquisite girl did not she love him was not that an immense happiness to have met her to have gained her friendship her love and these two walking in front of him at this moment this Markelov, this Solomon, whom he knew so little as yet but to whom he felt so drawn were they not fine types of the russian nature of russian life and was not it a happiness too to know them to be friends with them then why this undefined vague gnawing sensation how and why this dejection if you're a brooding pessimist his lips murmured again a damn fine revolutionist you'll make you ought to be writing rhymes and sulking and nursing your own petty thoughts and sensations and busying yourself with psychological fancies and subtleties of all sorts but at least don't mistake your sickly nervous whims and irritability for manly indignation for the honest anger of a man of convictions oh hamlet hamlet how to escape from the shadow of your spirit how cease to follow you in everything even in the loathsome enjoyment of one's own self depreciation Alexei, friend hamlet of russia he heard suddenly like the echo of these reflections in a familiar squeaky voice is it you i see before me neshtanov raised his eyes and with amazement beheld paklin paklin in quite an arcadian get-up a summer suit of flesh color with no cravat round his neck a large straw hat with a blue ribbon pushed onto the back of his head and in varnished shoes he at once limped up to neshtanov and grasped his hands first of all he began though we are in a public garden i must for old custom's sake embrace and kiss you once twice thrice secondly you must know that if i had not met you today you would certainly have seen me tomorrow as i knew your abode and i am indeed in this town with that object how i got here we will talk of hereafter and thirdly introduce me to your companions tell me briefly who they are and them who i am and then let's proceed to enjoy ourselves nestanov acted on his friend's request named him markelov and solomin and told what each of them was where he lived and what he did and so on capital cried Parklin, and now let me lead you all far from the madding crowd though there's not much of it here certainly to a secluded seat where i sit at moments of contemplation to enjoy the beauties of nature there's a wonderful view the governor's house two striped sentry boxes three policemen and not one dog don't be too much surprised at the remarks with which i'm so perseveringly trying to amuse you i'm the representative in my friend's opinion of russian wit no doubt that's why i'm lame Parklin led the friends to the secluded seat, and made them sit down on it, after dislodging two beggar women as a preliminary. The young men proceeded to exchange ideas, generally a rather tedious process, especially at a first meeting, and a particularly unprofitable occupation at all times. "'Stay!' Parklin cried suddenly, turning to Neshtanov. "'I must explain to you how it is I'm here. "'You know I always take my sister away somewhere every summer.' when i found out that you had gone off into the neighborhood of this town i remembered that there were two wonderful creatures living in this very town a husband and wife who were connections of ours on my mother's side my father was a tradesman Neshtanov was aware of the fact but Parklin mentioned it for the benefit of the other two but my mother was of noble family and for ages they've been inviting us to come and see them there thought i the very thing they're the kindest people it'll do my sister any amount of good what could be better well and so here we are and it was just as i thought i can't tell you how nice it is for us here but what types what types you really must make their acquaintance what are you doing here where are you going to dine and why is it you were here of all places we are going to dinner with a man called golushkin a merchant here answered neshtanov at what o'clock three and you are seeing him upon upon Parklin took a comprehensive look at Solomine, who was smiling, and Markeloff, whose face grew darker and darker. "'Come, Alyosha, tell them. Make some sort of Masonic sign, do. Tell them they needn't be on their guard with me. I'm one of you. Of your party.' "'Kolushkin, too, is one of us,' observed Neshtanov. "'Now, I've a brilliant idea. There's a long while yet to three o'clock. Listen, let's go and see my relations.' "'Why, you're crazy. How could we?' don't worry yourself about that i'll take all that on myself imagine it's an oasis not a glimpse of politics nor literature nor anything modern has penetrated into it a queer podgy sort of little house such as you never see anywhere now the very smell in its antique the people antique the atmosphere antique take it how you will it's all antique catherine the second powder hoops eighteenth century just fancy a husband and wife both very old the same age and without a wrinkle round chubby spruce little things a perfect pair of little pole parrots and good-natured to stupidity to saintliness no bounds to it they tell me boundless good nature often goes with an absence of moral feeling but i can't enter into such subtleties i only know that my little old dears are the very soul of good nature never had any children the blessed innocents that's what they call them in the town blessed innocents both dressed alike in sort of striped gowns and such good stuff you could never see anything like that either nowadays. They're awfully like each other, only one has a mob cap on her head and the other a skull cap, though that has the same sort of frilling as the mob cap, only no strings. If it weren't for that difference, you wouldn't know which was which, especially as the husband has no beard. Their names are Fomushka and Fimushka. I tell you, people ought to pay at the door to look at them as curiosities. They love one another in the most impossible way. But if anyone comes to visit them it's delighted so good of you and such hospitable creatures they show off all their little tricks at once to amuse you there's only one thing one mustn't smoke not that they're dissenters but tobacco upsets them you see no one smoked in their day however they can't stand canaries either because that bird was very rarely seen in their day too and that's a great blessing you'll admit well will you come really i don't know began neshtanov stay i haven't told you everything yet their voices are just alike with your eyes shut you wouldn't know which was speaking only formushka speaks just a little more expressively come my friends you are now on the brink of a great undertaking perhaps a terrible conflict why shouldn't you before flinging yourselves into those stormy deeps try a dip in stagnant water Markelov put in and what if so stagnant it is certainly but fresh and pure There are ponds in the steppes which never get putrid though there's no stream through them because they are fed by springs from the bottom and my old dears have such springs too in the bottom of their hearts as pure as can be it all comes to this would you like to know how people lived a century a century and a half ago make haste then and follow me or soon a day and an hour will come it's bound to be the same hour for both and my poll parrots will be knocked off their perches and all that's antique will end with them and the podgy little house will fall down and the place of it will be overgrown with what my grandmother used to tell me always grows over the place where man's handiwork has been that's to say nettles burdock thistles wormwood dock leaves the very street will cease to be and men will come and go and never see anything like this again in all the ages well cried neshtanov let's be off directly i'm ready with the greatest pleasure indeed observed Solomin. It's not in my line, but it's interesting. And if Mr Parklin can really guarantee that we should not be putting anyone out by our visit, then why? Don't worry yourself, Parklin cried in his turn. They'll be simply transported, that's all. No need of ceremony in this case. I tell you, they're blessed innocence. We'll make them sing to us. And you too, Mr Markelov, do you agree? Markeloff shrugged his shoulders angrily. I'm not going to stay here alone. Lead the way, if you please. young men got up from the seat you have a formidable gentleman there parklin whispered to neshtanov indicating markelov the very image of john the baptist eating locusts the locusts without the honey but he he added with a nod in Solomon's direction is delightful what a jolly smile i've noticed the only people who smile like that are those who are superior to other people without being aware of it are there ever people like that asked neshtanov not often but there are some answered bucklin end of chapter 18